to episode 149 of the Winning Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Normally at this point, you'd have Jordan come in with his his regular hello, but on this occasion, you're just going to have to settle for this instead. Hello! This is not our normal podcast intro. This is a live intro recorded after our main recording, and the reason for that is... This week, as we promised, we ran through our Western Conference predictions, going team by team throughout the West, and as a result, the podcast ended up super long. Rather than having you all have to go through that, we've broken this week's podcast up into two episodes. This one, which is primarily books-focused. We talk about preseason so far, we talk about the battle for final roster spot, we give our predictions for this Friday's game against the Pistons, and we finish off with your books questions in the mailbag. And then tomorrow, Tuesday, we will post our Western Conference predictions podcast, which will be completely non-books. Something a little bit different for you all. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy this episode. Ignore any references to the length of the podcast, because we've taken care of that for you. So, without further ado... Let's get into some preseason talk. There is a sense of uneasiness already. You can feel it among people on Bucks Twitter. Um, it's understandable in some ways, as the weaknesses that plagued the Bucks at times last year are very much evident. At the same time, it's the preseason. Uh, you can't really quantify just how much players are trying, how much they care about the actual result, or their own contributions as much as kind of getting up to speed and getting ready for the real deal. It's also a point in the season where, particularly for the books, maybe more than any other team, you've had this incredible number of players in fighting for a final roster spot, having five guys who will pretty much not be on the team fighting for minutes. Also players who will be at the very back of your rotation playing pretty significant minutes. There's a lot kind of off here. Taking all of that into consideration, what is your impression so far? Are you even just a little bit nervous? It's probably impossible not to be just a little bit nervous. But I'm guessing you, of all people, haven't stretched <laughs> so far as to be meaningfully worried about what this means for the book season. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're covering the team in a more official capacity or us, you know, our, you know, covering the team in our blogosphere capacity kind of thing, or just a regular fan. We ultimately want to see 
them win, even if it's preseason. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous. And Summer League, of course, do not forget about Summer League. Uh, the most precious. Summer League really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter in that uh, conversation. That's just blasphemy. Anyway, you still ultimately want to see the Bucks win. You want to see more positive than negatives. Uh, I'm not saying anything that is not out of school. But, uh, yeah, it's a little bit – I think the thing about it is that I'm not – again, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said. It's a, the way that they have kind of, you know, I guess the biggest problem more defensively than anything, as usually uh, as we usually talk about – is that the way that they're you know losing to these teams or just getting out kind of blown out at times, at least in the last two games, that these teams are hitting threes and they, they're hitting them at susceptible spots that the Bucks have been very susceptible since you know the last three years under Jason Kidd's watch. So under that under those circumstances, even without Giannis for two games, even without Thon for all three games, even without Delhi for the last two games, all that stuff, and playing, as you said, playing more reserves playing guys that, you know, already being cut from the team in training camp and all that stuff, it's still not a great thing. I mean, the closest game that they had, they're playing – think about the guys that they're playing for the last, like, I don't know, fourth quarter, even a little bit in the third. And the guys they're playing like, against them, that is also worth noting. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. It's so, against the Dallas Mavericks, we should say. Yeah, it's, it's tough to see for sure, and I don't know. It's just – you don't want to take too much out of it, but you or you want to have a little bit grain of salt with it. But there are still familiar themes that are being uh, constantly, you know, kind of cycled through over and over again when it comes to how the Bucks are losing. You know, no matter what uh, season it is or summer league and all that stuff. So yeah, and I, I think maybe more more direct to me than the things that have been happening on the court or the things that have been said off the court. I don't know if it's a good thing that, you know, oh, you know, we're all just so comfortable. Continuity allows us to be this direct, this blunt with each other, and just come straight out with our issues, air our dirty laundry in public, and just move on and become bigger and better from there. But that is exactly what the books have been doing this week. And whether that has a positive or negative effect, or if that's something we see continuing into the season, is going to be interesting and a little terrifying to watch unfold because it's very strange uh just to give a hint to these because i think some of our favorite things to analyze here on win six are post-game quotes if i before we get into it i would like to say i i feel like that is our brand we <laughs> dissect post-game quotes more than anybody else i don't know why that we kind of just assumed that but it's it's our favorite thing. I should have I should have been more prepared and got the audio for these. I feel it's always, but then maybe the audio should just be reserved for like when you need to hear Jason Kidd passive aggressively sucking on the yeah. You know, <laughs> that was that was one of our biggest dives into post game quotes, uh, post game, I don't know, confectionery habits, and yeah. We'll dive into the quote side of it again here. We'll start off with some of the quotes that came out after the loss to the Pacers. As you mentioned, that we should probably start with they did lose to the Mavericks. There was a lot of positives from that game, though. Probably more positives than negatives. It's your preseason opener. You expect to be rusty. There was nothing really to come out of that because I think, all in all, you'd say it was pretty much a win, you know? There wasn't enough in the score to say, oh, wow, that was, that was really dreadful. It was a fine performance. There were 
things that weren't great, things need to be worked out, but he really kind of, that was the game where the starters played their least minutes. And overall, he said, okay, lots of positive things to see here. There, were, there was no Yanis on that occasion either, so I was pointing out, you know, they were just there. They didn't have Yanis. It's all fine. The Pacers game, 18-point blowout. Could have been a lot more. They pulled some back towards the end. And the aftermath sounded a little like this. Jason Kidd, you might have heard of him. He's the head coach. He had the following to say. I quote, we were a little bit relaxed from my seat. The ball didn't move. We were worried about I instead of team. Two games in, it starts to get real. And hopefully that will turn up guys' intensity. Chris Middleton chimed in on this as well, saying it was a terrible game by us. We've got to do a better job of getting into our stuff, playing the right way and defending. Tonight, we were just trying to do it all by ourselves. We weren't using each other, trusting each other. And to go back to Jason Kidd, he said it puts our defense at a big disadvantage when we're turning the ball over and they're just running past our jog. As a group, we have to look at the things we didn't do well and the things we did do well, which will be real quick, and understand that the ball is important. I mean, if there is one thing I'd like the books to understand coming into the season, personally, I would like them to understand that the ball is important. That was the quote from the Pacers game. After... The loss to the Chicago Bulls on Friday night. Jason Kidd came out with the following. I quote, I think one of the things we in the past have had trouble with is playing teams that might not have an all-star. We can't play to the level of our competition in the sense that we're waiting and thinking we're just going to turn it on. Tonight they got a lot of great open trees and we just didn't come out and respect them. That to me is a really, really alarming quote. Incredibly so. Because... The coach kind of having this deep philosophical moment in kind of in the company of the media and just sort of thinking, hmm, I think one of the things we, we've had trouble with is playing teams that might not have an all-star. We can't play to to the level of our competition. And, you know, that's that's kind of your job. You know, that's a really important thing. The coach has to figure out a way to get around. I wouldn't be bringing that out into the public domain after a meaningless preseason loss to the Chicago Bulls and being like, you know, this is a problem we seem to have. Now is not the time. You're about to start a new season. It's a fresh slate. Don't put that in your players' heads. Don't kind of put that out there to hang over yourself. Now that you have, though, it's pretty uncomfortable, pretty alarming stuff. And we'd be lying if we said that there hasn't been this trend of the books playing well above their, their level against the NBA's best teams and then falling completely flat in games they should win. I don't really know what to make of this preseason. Well, I do know, I guess what I could say is, as you mentioned to lead off, we, we would just like to see them winning these games. That would be better. And I think for as much as this isn't the end of anything, it doesn't necessarily have a bearing on the season. I think it's worth pointing out a good preseason most definitely would have had a bearing on the season. If you had a won all, game, all four games and gone into your tough start to the schedule, kind of a peak confidence feeling you were right where you needed to be and there's been some quotes of them kind of saying they feel they're ahead of schedule where they need to be there's no evidence on the court i think if you had come through in a positive sense through your, your preseason, it can matter the players the coaches they're all going to kind of brush it off and go it's just preseason. doesn't matter season starts whatever thursday week against the boston celtics there's a missed opportunity here, though, and I think it, for confidence, 
they could really do with a good performance against the Pistons, coming out and really showing something. And the Pistons are the best team they're going to play in their, their preseason schedule, I think it's fair to say. Not that, as we talked in the past, it's not a great group of teams all around, but, you know, they'll have to come and show something. Do you agree with that? Do you think that, could there be any lingering effects if it does continue to go poorly? And I mean, more from the point of view of, if they do lose all four preseason games, we can dismiss them as preseason. But their schedule is brutal to start with. So mm-hmm. you go and you lose your first three games, for example, which is Celtics, Cavs, Trailblazers. Is it Hornets so. or Trailblazers? You could lose. You could lose all those games anyway. But all of a sudden, like we could be going, oh, they lost their first four games start the season. But you could also look at it as they've lost eight straight. Not the sort of thing you want to get in your head, and not what you want to happen if you're Jason Kidd. Uh, we. Yep on the past but I think this is going to be a very different season and as much as I wouldn't go as far as to say he's kind of under pressure on the hot seat to begin the season if you start after four preseason losses and then you just kind of fail to deliver true games that are actually going to be difficult it's gonna it's gonna raise some alarm bells and kind of possibly get some agitation behind the scenes, maybe even in the locker room. They're the things you need to be concerned about. I think when we look at all the kind of details in preseason games, the open three-pointers aren't... I don't I don't care right now. Don't get me wrong. I think, is that indicative of what we're going to see coming into the season? Probably. I don't think that problem will have gone away, but I'm not going to worry about them in the preseason as we are now because... I guess we essentially found out on media day he said we're sticking with the scheme we have. <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, well, that's probably still going to be an issue. The giving the open preseason isn't going to bother me just as much. It's all the kind of baggage that could come from the preseason. That's what sticks out to me. Would you agree with that, or is there anything more specific in the play right now that you're seeing as a worrying trend? I would agree 100%. Um just to start with the quotes, I mean, we are in preseason, but Jason Kidd's uh, post-game quotes are clearly in mid-season form, <laughs> as you can tell. I just think it's – I thought that there was an interesting point raised by – on a recent episode of Locked Bucks, I can't remember if it was Frank Nan or Eric Nain said it, but it was basically saying, like, you know, we talked about – for the longest time, we talked about John Hammond and, you know, kind of – the untenable situation between him and Jason Kidd and kind of like who's currying favor more kind of like better in pole position, I guess, for security reasons. Um, and it's kind of flipped. I mean, Jason, like this team, this team is determined to take that next step. They have intimated as much, not intimated, they have said it as much as, you know, during media day, even over the off season, all this stuff. So, like you said, like if this – it's preseason again. We're <laughs> prefacing all this, but it's still not a good sign. And as you said, start of the schedule is very tough. I, I think the thing yeah. we'll find out this season, uh, just kind of touching on the Hammond kid dynamic that we had for songs as you brought up, the thing that you could always turn to with that, and I know a lot of fans did. It wasn't necessarily something I agreed with, but there was a strong feeling out there of, yeah, well, this is Hammond's mess. He's one here longer. He drafted this player, made this mistake, made this mistake. The roles are reversed because it's John Horst is the new guy. You can't pin this team performing a certain way on John Horst. 
because you can say it was some of John Hammond's mistakes, but you can't fire John Hammond. He's not around anymore. So if there was some sort of really underwhelming start to the season or if the season overall was underwhelming, Jason Kidd is the guy who will have, I guess, the greatest kind of logical proportion of blame because he's not the person who's just new in the job and having to kind of bed in with other people's mistakes or decisions and deal with them. Like with a GM, it could take a few years before you can say, okay, now he has his team. Like he, this team is purely his, the decisions have all been made for how he wants to shape the team. You can say that with Jason Kidd's team though. Like, I mean, the only players who are still on the team who were there prior to him arriving are players who have all received new contracts within the Jason Kidd era. So he's been consulted at some point and you'd feel like his stamp of approval was given. And we say that it's Giannis, which is an obvious one. Chris Middleton, which is an obvious one. John Henson, maybe not so much, but John Henson got his deal in the Jason Kidd era. Yep. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch as the season unfolds. Obviously, we haven't started the season yet, and we would just much rather if that didn't become an issue we have to talk about. The books could just go out, win their first five games, go on to win 50-plus. That'd be ideal. This is the books, though. Let's be realistic. Things never never go ideally. Just before we move on for preseason talk, as we record this, there has been, well, I was going to say one cut made from the training camp guys there's actually been two james young was cut since our last podcast the books reacted by quickly bringing in uh, xavier munford and kendall marshall was cut on the day we record this who knows by the time this posts there may be more gone what have you made of the battle for the 15 roster spots so far of the performances of the guys who've been out there kendall marshall maybe had the best game of any of the players involved in his opening performance where he had 10 assists in 20 minutes, I want to say. Maybe even less. 16. Uh, was it 16? 10 assists in 16 yeah. minutes to only one turnover. And then he followed that up with two absolute horror shows. Uh, effectively reminding the books of what will happen on a game where his passing isn't quite as precise as you needed to be. Who overall has impressed you and at this point who would you see as being in the race for that spot you know can you narrow it down or are you still from your seat would you still be saying it's kind of wide open and it's up to what they're seeing behind the scenes more than anything that's been shown on the court uh, it's tough to say because i said that i we talked about this behind closed doors uh, I don't know why it's not like that. Anyway, you know, for a long, for the longest time, we were talking about in seasons past when we have, you know, recorded this podcast. This is the third season going. Congratulations to us. I don't know why I'm complimenting us. We talked about. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we talked about like bringing in proven NBA guys, kind of, you know, make training camp a little more interesting, kind of the roster is kind of in a work in progress. Why don't you kind of stir up a competition battle type of thing? We finally got it. And <laughs> it's been, I don't know why I don't, maybe it's my own personal expectations. Maybe I built it up too much and kind of think like, Oh, like this could be really interesting to watch. And it could be a, a product of, you know, the pre- preseason being very underwhelming regardless. 
But uh, it's been kind of, eh, okay. I would say probably the most consistent performer out of the guys fighting for that last roster spot has been the guys that or been the guy that we kind of crossed off for being, uh, you know, in the running, and that's Gary Payton, too. Uh, and it's not anything that's kind of earth shattering or anything. It's the things that we kind of pegged up him to do if he got a fair shot when he first came to came to Milwaukee in late March. Um, he's been very active, all that stuff, just kind of, again, things that you kind of expected to see from him. Um, Jared Green has been fine. He's been a decent shooting, I would say. Decent. Decent. Uh, Brandon Rush has just been kind of there. He's shooting 44% from the field, 25% from three, Gerald Green. So inside the three-point line, he's <laughs> close to automatic. I don't know. It's just it's been very underwhelming, regardless, no matter what. Kendra Marshall, like I would agree, he probably had the best game. Even though Gary Payton 2's game against the Pacers, as much of a dud as that game was, was like 15-7-5, isn't he? Yeah. And probably less than 20 minutes, maybe around that area of time. I don't know. It just uh, from what if we're if we're basing it on the games that have been played so far, you'd be kind of you kind of I would probably just shrug my shoulders and say like, okay, maybe it's still wide open. Maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. I don't know, but it's it's been it's been it's been uh rough, I would say. Yeah, I look I think it should be Gary Payton too spot. Um we had kind of discounted him. And I think as much as as much as anything, that was because of the way the books had treated him effectively. Uh, as in making him do his media day availability with all the guys they'd brought in to try and take his spot. Uh, that kind of that kind of led us to feel maybe he's the odd man out here. He is being put in a position where he really has to fight to stay in the NBA. And this is a guy who's been fighting the last couple of years, unlike some of these. Um, other players who have had kind of spots, even if it has been in pretty limited roles. And he's the hungriest player and he's been the best player. And I think the interesting thing, because, yeah, we can say we're judging from what we see on the court rather than behind the scenes. He's the guy they've seen the most of behind the scenes as well, though. He's the yeah, guy who's, who's been around the team for a long time now. Um, has been under contract all summer, so I'm sure they've been kind of communicating, working with him throughout the summer. He's been really impressive. He's done everything he can do. Do I think he is the best player of the bunch? Probably not. But at the same time, I mean, like, when are those Gerald Green games that make him a valuable wing rotation piece? How often are they going to come around? Yep. Uh, what has Brandon Rush got left in the tank? I've actually, I think Brandon Rush has played pretty solidly without doing anything incredibly well. I've, I've always felt. I've always felt the books have looked good with him on the court. I believe his net rating is positive as well. Yeah, he's a 6.0, so he's one of the few with a positive net rating. But I guess that same point, Gary Payton, too, leads the whole team with 13.2 net rating. He leads the books in assist-to-turnover ratio, which is four assists every turnover. Very impressive. He's done everything you could ask of him. Um, He's really had to come in and show that, hey, I deserve this spot. He's even, okay, tiniest of sample sizes we're at. This is five attempts total, 
but he's 40% from three. He's made two of his five three-point attempts. And his jump shots in general, even from mid-range, look unrecognizable compared to last year. I also I feel I also feel like he strolls up the court. He strides with this sort of confidence that he didn't seem to have last year. He really looks like he belongs. You wouldn't know that this was a guy who's played, what, a total of five, six NBA games to, to this point in his career. The spot really should be his. I think the only way where they could justify going otherwise or it would make sense right now is if he's happy to take a two-way contract and that's how it ends up. And obviously some of the other guys in the mix wouldn't qualify for two ways because of their experience in the NBA already. So yeah. we'll see how that one plays out. But All apologies to Joel and Anthony, by the way, who we did not mention one bit. Uh, we didn't, okay. but I will. I will say he has been very, very good. He has been as reliable as anyone. He's probably been better than Green and Rush in terms of what do you expect him to bring and him delivering on it. He's rebounded really well. Yeah. Um, if the Bucks didn't have a lot of money tied up in one center and they just wanted a really cheap center at the end of the roster, you know who would have been a good option? I mean, he's actually he's kind of proven that if a team did at some point in the season need centered as a kind of an emergency situation he's very capable still um he's an NBA survivor he really is so well done to the warden on changing our perception of him in preseason i'm sure that was the reason he came out to begin with prove us wrong but maybe he'll earn another chance somewhere else we're saying that maybe we'll have four centers in the roster and he'll get the 15th spot. <laughs> I joked about it last week. I It's still open, open for a discussion. Okay, Jordan. Predictions. We should probably mention that uh, you and I are both 0-3 as we picked the Bucks to win every game last week. That may be the other reason why the Bucks have uh, failed us. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, your predictions have been worse than mine. You have... Uh, a car crash like point differential you're lucky that we reset you are we are i'll I'll group myself in with this we are effectively the books just gonna pretend oh it's just preseason. you know the confidence yeah. would have been nice but eh, we'll start again and i'll be fine my point differential is like leaving a shooter wide open in the corner yeah That's pretty much downfall. Pistons come to visit on Friday. Preseason finale. That is your Mac Fund game. We asked that question last week. That is, in fact, the Mac Fund game. What is your prediction? <laughs> well, I, I maybe I just this is I'm going in blind, obviously, but I don't care. The Bucks have to win a preseason game. Don't would it one think? Uh, I'm gonna go Bucks by. <laughs> I was actually gonna go books by eight, so I'll I'll go by I'll go up with it. I'll go by ten just so you can't call price right me. Um Kid has made it clear they're gonna take that game basically as if it's an NBA game. He wants to see that as a real game. And under those circumstances, I feel the Bucks best team should be better than the Pistons best team. Could be proven very, very wrong on that, but Hey, they can't lose all four, can they? Mm. That feels like a, an excerpt that can be pulled if anyone ever needs to make a preseason video. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the mailbag. 
From at Griffin Gross Zero. How many wins did the Bucks get without Giannis? <laughs> Not as many as they were to get with him. <laughs> I feel like that's safe to say. That is the one thing I, I, I should have probably said during our preseason talk. This is a the preseason. Is good. Is that what us... you're gonna say? Giannis is good. This is what we oh, yeah, Giannis is good. And the preseason has given us a glimpse of what the Bucks would be without Giannis, and it is incredibly terrifying. It's really crazy. He covers so much ground for this team that it's not even funny. It's it's yeah. I mean, if this was how many wins the book get without Giannis, and this is assuming everything else is currently true, as in Jabari is also out for most of the season. Oh, that's not good. Um, I still have not won a preseason game, even though he has he technically returned. And he scored more points than he played minutes in that yes. return. <laughs> maybe because the East is awful, they get over 30, but maybe. That's a maybe, and I'm probably being optimistic. They're probably not a 30-win team. I don't think so. I mean, they get a really good pick. They'd have a good chance of finding whatever you can that's some way close to Giannis. I mean, uh, yeah. I think we have answered the question sufficiently. <laughs> not, because if we keep speaking... The answer over... really is, why would you ask such a question, Griffin? Why? <laughs> we don't need to imagine Why do you want that. us to see this portal? Um, from uh, Jared Anderson 5. Is the Yanis jump shot a real thing, or will he continue to get in his own head when the games become meaningful? We've seen 25 minutes, 23 minutes of preseason. <laughs> No, I uh, no. I don't forget about Fan Fest. Don't forget about. I can't about say Fest. it's any more real than it ever was, but more importantly, I'm going to surprise everyone with this take now. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> Can we all just get there? It doesn't matter. The uh, the thing again, I'm more concerned with is his free throws. I don't know if you saw one of his free throws came off the side of the rim. That that's a concern. That really bothers me uh i can go oh yeah it was a nice pull up two he had there oh look at that tree free throws off the side of the rim for a guy who's gonna spend like 80 percent of his life at the free throw line that's troubling to me they're Uh, free for a reason i don't know if he gets in his own head either i don't know if i i know he's he's said some things along those lines over the years but i think he's a very different person player now i don't know if it's in his own head as much as He's just not good at shooting jump shots. You know, he's got very long arms and he's got a very long body and those things aren't maybe the most natural for that motion. I think that might be more of a factor than being in his own head. But look, we'll see as the season goes on. Uh, I hope it's a real thing. If it's a real thing, it's game over. Let's, I mean, I'll book the bus and we'll start planning the parade. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's not. He is insanely good as it is. From at David on 21, the average high temperature in Milwaukee in the month of January is 29 degrees and average snowfall is almost 15 inches. The state of Wisconsin is a barren wasteland of broken dreams for six months every year. Why exactly do we want less NBA games during the soul-crushing winter. Furthermore, does attrition and endurance have any place in modern sports as a virtue? Isn't there a happy medium between four games of five nights and two games a week? 
when will Adam Silver be questioned by the Twitter intelligentsia? I think that's already happening. I think people have kind of there's a di- well, I, I've sensed a there's one sc- reason. There's one reason. That's a reason I don't really want to get into. But I think there's a bigger reason oh, than yeah. any schedule stuff. I think um, political things have led to more questioning of Adam Silver in the last couple of weeks. I would agree with that. Without without getting into any particular stances or anything on that. I think it, it goes beyond that, though, too, because with the whole All-Star game with Charlotte. Yes, yes. Okay, so it's, it's more than the last two weeks. But again, that is effectively a political thing. Um, and yeah. I, I, I think the best way of putting it is he has been all talk in certain areas and then he's slack, kind of slacked off when it came to the action elements. Personally, not personally, I think it's a fact. The season's too long. 82 games is ridiculous. It's absolutely crazy. Just because baseball is farcically long, hockey this incredibly demanding physical sport they play in a ridiculous amount of games. Just because you, America, as a country, have decided <laughs> to put your athletes through the most insane kind of endurance tests. That's not what it's about. Does attrition have a place? Yeah, it does. You know, every once in a while. The games know, are in itself. Standalone games in itself are attrition. Right. Playing and, you know, 40 minutes in 48 minutes or 40 minutes of a 48 minute game is in itself an intrusion. Right. And then as we mentioned earlier, you go to go to Denver, you go to Salt Lake City and you're doing that. I mean, I think all I'd say is I'd rather more quality than attrition. The idea would be to have better basketball rather than wow, this is grueling, but isn't it exciting to watch the players just struggle through it? That's not really what I'm here for. The season, really, I I don't know. Maybe I have a different feeling on this because I don't just watch 82 games. I work 82 games. Yeah. It's just ridiculously long. No one says with the NFL, oh, the winter's so long. I've got to wait a whole week between games. There's nothing wrong with a game a week. You don't have to cut back that far in the NBA, nowhere near it. But I think 82 games is too long. And, you know, would cutting back be a bad thing? No. And I say that as someone who, you know, I like the historical kind of base of 82 games. We can compare everything with that. It does have meaning. It does have significance. But if you detach yourself from any kind of emotional attachment from what was an arbitrary number to begin with, and set in a different <laughs> state of time and space. And just, there's so many different elements that didn't even exist when this was first instituted. I just, I don't, I don't see why it would have to stay. And the other thing too, I know that was a big thing last week that he, Adam Silver mentioned. We don't even know if this, if, if this is going to happen. No. And we don't well, know how feasible it is, how much they cut back. Like yeah. any of that stuff. So it's, it's tied to money and that's that's a lot of what drives a lot of the rules that are instituted uh in any league. So that's there's so many more hurdles than just Adam Silver saying we'd like we're looking at possibly shortening the shortening the season. 
Yeah, because he says that in terms of it is an idea, and I don't think this can be argued. It would improve the product. You may have less of the product, but it should be a better product. That's great. That's in. I don't know if, I, if you've looked around recently, but this world is not exactly some sort of ideological haven where just <laughs> we look around and go, wow, what a great place we live where it is. This sport we all love, they'll make sure they get the best product on the floor. They don't care. It's the worst product. It's about what makes the most money. And it, that also comes from the players There's who the will say... still exist too. Right, but the players who will want to go, you know, oh, I'd play so much better if I played less games, if I was more rested. Yep. If the NBA then comes to them, we go, okay, fine, we've got the solution. We're going to remove 20 games, and with that, that's a quarter of the schedule. We're going to take back a quarter of your salary. The cap is just going to drop and drop and drop. Just understand, this is what you're signing in for. Basketball-related income is going to go down. You know those recent spikes you've enjoyed? Forget about them. They are a thing of the past. Players would be like, no, no, I'll just, I'll just play bad. It's fine. I'm all for it. Come at me, David, on 21. <laughs> From at uh, underscore Al Hopper, what's been worse, the books preseason or Jordan's picks? Both. <laughs> they go hand in hand. <laughs> Mine haven't been good. When this question came in, I looked at this and I felt uncomfortable because I was like, oh, there's no way my point differential is worse than Jordan's. And then I checked it, and yes, Jordan somehow managed to be worse than me, and I was awful this week. Which, I mean, for those of you who've listened through this podcast for now, I salute you because you've listened to hours of Jordan predicting things when he <laughs> has a proven track record of not being able to predict anything. <laughs> From at Clay Sun John. Should we be concerned about the same defending and rebounding issues? Is it really simply a matter of Maker slash Giannis? I think both of their absences, particularly Giannis, for very obvious reasons, are definitely significant. Uh, but then again, it's also preseason, and we just don't know if the players care. Yeah. They may not be up to speed either, is the other thing. like uh, Maybe, and this is being unrealistically optimistic but maybe they're just a few steps slow on defensive rotations at the moment because they're just a few steps slow in terms of you know peak NBA shape and pace I don't yeah. think that's likely to be the reason but it is possible yeah but then again as we talked about these issues have are ingrained at this point with how things have been under Jason Kidd they have not been a great rebounding team they have steadily declined as a defensive team. Actually, no, that's not true because technically the year before they... They bounced it, back a little last year. <laughs> that is true. But you know what I mean. Come on. Come on. The the rebounding <laughs> thing like is so ingrained that when they drafted DJ Wilson, Jason Kidd thought it would be a good idea at the press conference to make a joke about how DJ Wilson would fit right in because he doesn't rebound and we don't rebound either. You know? And you I, <laughs> I, I think that is... Like, the rebounding thing, I don't know if it's a weakness as much as a decision <laughs> just to not rebound, which will offend a lot of people. They won't understand. But teams put value on different things. I think that's one element, and particularly if you were turning down offensive rebounds, you could maybe get on board with that if you weren't defending so poorly at the same time. But I think if you can't 
you can't not emphasize rebounding if you're a poor defensive team at the moment. The books are looking like both. Oh, whether it carries into the season, we'll see. I, I think it could be very different. Yanis is kind of very significant in both of those departments. Having him on the floor will help you defensively and as a rebounding team. Agreed. From at DB Sweeney underscore 2016. Was the Bulls hot shooting from three a legit concern, or was it one of those things where NBA teams get hot? Also, do you think Chris will actually start shooting more trees this year? Even if his percentage goes down a bit, it would still be a positive if he shoots more, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah. It would be a positive. I'm not sure, though. Um, I think Tony Snell is going to, judging by his preseason. Tony Snell is just kind of firing away. That might be a better option. If one of the two is to shoot more, I think Middleton's going to draw more attention. Tony Snell's going to have more open shots. Plus, as he continues to show, Middleton could do more with the ball. So, you know, if he's not going to throw up extra shots, I'd like to see him play and make a little bit more. Create for his teammates. He can do it. He's good at it. Um, we'll see. As for the hot shooting, let's just call it preseason for now. They are a team with lots of capable shooters. I think that's one thing that will be said. Uh, the books have played a few teams like this. Not necessarily great shooters, but lots of capable shooters. That's one of those nights where if they do click, they will tear you apart. There's a combination of the books giving them the chances to do that and them just getting hot. Opening couple of games, we'll know all about it. I mean, the books are playing the Celtics and the Cavaliers. We are going to learn what this team is about. Blazers too, right? Um... From at Alex underscore Koenig 023. Does Adam McGee 11 go through the schedule and circle all the games where he will hashtag own the vacuum? And how many games are we looking at to hashtag own the vacuum? Um, you're greatly overestimating the ability for me to just be like, yeah, I'm just taking that game off. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Um, I've, I've got to see if, if there is the the adequate cover, as in other words, if Jordan is around, um, to cover and let me sleep. Do I? No, I don't. I think schedule things. Are you crazy? You play it by ear. It's also the fact that, I mean, part of the reason is there's times where I need to or sometimes just want to have a somewhat normal life in my own time zone, in my own country. And that might mean like kind of a few days beforehand, I go, hmm, wouldn't it be nice to not be up till... 5 a.m. on Thursday night, Friday morning. And at that point, I go, you know, it's time to own the vacuum. Um, Dyson. The example of this is I would have liked to own the vacuum for parts of preseason. Boy, in hindsight, would I really have liked to own the vacuum a lot more. I have yet to own the vacuum. So it could probably be a while, yeah. Uh, but we'll see, Alex. You'll be kept updated. I think a lot of people at this point can pick up when it's me tweeting because mine are all of the running jokes nearly the john henson photoshops things like that they all pop up when i'm tweeting so yeah it's easily identifiable okay so that does it for this episode uh reminder we will be back tomorrow tuesday with our full western conference predictions podcast in the meantime thank you very much for listening Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and add us on Stitcher. We'll be back with you very, very soon, and you can also check out our work. 
our books writing on BehindTheBookPass.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.